everybody. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Posh Podcast where we, Bishan and I, Bishan Jaswant is one of the youngest partners at CAMP, uh, specializing in employment and labor law and an advisor to several organizations in the space of Posh. And hi, I'm Lakshmi and I am the co-founder for Parity Consulting, a boutique firm that specializes in inclusion at the workplace. So having kind of introduced uh, ourselves, uh, what we're going to talk about, or, or, or I should say what we're going to continue to uh, talk about really is the operational and, and, and implementation elements of the Posh Act at the organized uh, workplace. So Bishan, the question I have for you right now is, um, the, the Act talks about a variety of stakeholders, right? It talks mm -hmm. about the aggrieved woman, the, the woman who has a complaint. It talks about the alleged perpetrator against whom the complaint has been made. Um, it, it also talks about the term employer. And it goes on to tell us a little bit about who the law considers as employers in an organizational space, right? So what happens if... There is an aggrieved woman who wants to raise a complaint and it so happens the complaint is against the managing director or the CEO of her organization. So does she go to the IC? How does she take that forward? Hi Lakshmi. Hi everyone. Good day. So this question uh, is one that all companies grapple with mm -hmm. because many individuals can be considered as both an employee and an employer, mm. right? Uh, now, who is an employer? The law defines an employer and by and large, without getting too technical, an employer is a person who is the head of the organization, who is in charge of supervision and control of the organization in general, mm -hmm. right? Now, obviously, this cannot be hundreds of people, right? You cannot say that everybody who is managerial is an employer. That's not the case. Now, but there is also no guidance on is it one person, is it two, is it three, right? Hmm. There isn't. Hmm. Let's take a pause there. Two, now, what is the ambit of the internal complaints committee? The internal, com now, now called the internal committee, the IC, right, deals only with complaints against employees. Whereas for complaints against employers, and also for complaints against employees when then there are less than 10 employees because you don't need to have an IC if you have less than 10 employees. So in those two situations against employers and when you have less than 10 employees against employees as well, the complaint goes to what is known as the local committee, right? Which is a uh, geographically different organization. It's the closest committee in your vicinity for your geography, but it's not your internal committee anymore. Now, it's very clear that if it's against an employer, you must go there, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, so the answer is, if it is against your employer, in your example you gave, MD, is possibly an employer. Whereas someone like uh, vice president, because every third person in many IT companies is a vice president, <laughs> clearly a vice president is not someone who has overall supervision and control of over the establishment. For a person like that, you definitely go to your internal committee. Mm. But I think the threshold is, and this is a threshold based on feeling is that will you get justice if you raise a complaint against uh, your MD, right? And if you think that he's a senior most guy in the company against whom I cannot reasonably get justice in fairness and an unbiased hearing when it's against him, mm. that's probably your indication that he's an employer. Mm. Whereas for anybody who's a couple of levels junior to him, you at least feel that 
if this doesn't go to order there is an internal hierarchy who i can appeal to appeal to their conscience to appeal to them in fairness to deal with my situation mm. and when you feel like there is nobody like that with respect to your accused that's when you know that it's uh, an employer that you have a complaint against for whom you need to go to the local committee and not the internal committee I I do have a few uh, specific questions related to the local committee but before I go there one quick uh, maybe comment really um the act is also reasonably supportive of um the hierarchy in an organization right mm. it it for example does not say that the presiding officer must be of a higher rank within the hierarchy yeah. as compared to the respondent i mean just just as yeah, an yeah. example right so so we do know that there is a little bit of leeway um we also know separately and 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 uh, this is where i'd like for uh, your thoughts on this the local committee and and it still is referred to as an lcc mm-hmm. right it, that uh, specification hasn't changed the lcc tends to be i'm going to say kind of like a quasi governmental uh, committee right i mean they they yeah. there could be a district officer there could be somebody from the state commission of women you know whatever like the, the lcc this thing so it's definitely much more difficult for a complainant to you know um put her complaint in front of the lcc to get the get the time to be calendarized to go there for the meetings and to, to do all of that so so one it's difficult for her to get uh, justice internally uh the law is designed in such a way it makes it more difficult for her when uh, so, so what do you think the 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 um you know the the writers of of the law i mean uh, what were they thinking of when they called this out i think the answer is straightforward mm-hmm. in that uh you have to balance justice mm-hmm. and convenience it is mm-hmm. inconvenient for the victim to go to the lc because it's an external body it is more public facing right you need to be more brave to get out there and put yourself out there yeah but you have to balance that i'm calling it convenience versus justice because you cannot get justice internally is the presumption under which we're working because it's against the senior most person in the organization whom you're calling the employer mm. and therefore if you're balancing justice and convenience justice simply wins mm-hmm. right so in, if you want to get justice you have to take on that little extra step of inconvenience go to the local committee who will deal with your complaint you must also remember on the flip side uh, it is also more onerous for the respondent right normally in an internal uh, committee situation when there is a complaint before an internal committee at least mat there is an obligation of confidentiality yeah. under the posh act you know that your name will not get out there unless somehow it becomes a very high profile case and possible information gets leaked <laughs> but generally uh, your name will not get out there so there is that comfort as well now of course the local committee has confidentiality obligations as well but as soon as the complaint goes to the local committee you are out of your comfort zone the employer is taken out of his company and put before a local committee which is a third party right mm. you are no longer before your own people mm. even if your own people are intended to be neutral and unbiased mm. right there is still that comfort that it's internal it's confidential mm. you've lost that so it's harder for the respondent as well and convenience versus justice convenience wins i think that's mm. your answer It, it that's interesting because what we're what we're seeing is by going to the local committee one of the things that happens is that the power and position and privilege that this you know md/ceo type person has within the organization 
is kind of dialed down a bit, right? It is discounted yeah. because in front of the LCC, that level of privilege might not be the same. Uh, th- there is a little bit of the same. So, so two corollaries now that 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 you've uh, brought this up. One is um, the law also says that when a complainant wants to fill in the blank, right? She wants to raise an FIR. She wants to go to the police station. The the employer must support her. Yes. Right? So now if you're saying the employer is the MD, the MD is the person against whom the complaint has been made. How does he support a complaint against himself? So so is it possible that in a case like this, um, the employer can refer to the legal entity, which is the organization? So unfortunately... I mean, I shouldn't say unfortunately. So most of the obligations under the Porsche Act are on the employer. So the mm-hmm. section that you're referring to, section 19, which talks about duties of an employer to support a woman who wants to go to the cops yeah. is a duty on the employer. Yeah. Right. But there is no reasonable way in which you can read employer to mean an individual in this case, if the complaint is against the individual. Yeah. Right. So uh, we have to, in this case, only reasonable way of reading it is to say that the employer is the organization. All the obligations that are on uh, the employer are on the juristic person that is the company, mm-hmm. right? Because the company mm-hmm. is also a juristic person in the eyes of the law and yeah. that company is now the employer. So that's okay. that's the only reasonable way to read it because the alternate way to read it mm-hmm. is that there is no obligation left on the employer because yeah. he's the accused and therefore you don't have to do all of those things which is train the IC, sensitize your people, put in place a policy, support the accused going to the cops. If there is a complaint against a third person, file it in their workplace, blah, blah, blah. There are so many obligations. You're effectively saying none of that exists because it's against the person whom you file the complaint. So that clearly cannot be the way in which the act is intended to be read. So in these kind of situations, reasonable position would be to read employer to mean the organization, the juristic person that is the organization. That's interesting. You you did mention what happens in the case of a complaint being made uh, against a respondent who is not a legal full-time employee of the organization concerned, right? So so let's assume that we have a situation where uh, person X is on contract or is an embedded service provider. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, woman A is raising the complaint against person X. Can she still go to her IC? Yeah, so I'll answer the question. But before I answer the question, I want to ask it back to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a member of an IC, having sat on so many ICs, I want to know from you, have you seen a case where a contract worker has been a respondent or a complainant and what is their expectation? What, what, what does the company do? And then I'll speak about what they should be doing. Hmm. So unfortunately, the answer is yes. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah. have seen uh, cases like that. And um, by and large, um, when it is in the IT slash ITES industry, which is hmm. where a lot of this embedded service provider, uh, this thing goes on, right? By and large, we've seen a certain level of maturity hmm. in both the client organization as well as the organization that provides the service, the, hmm. the, that, that embeds the people, right? And and therefore, it has been relatively simpler. I'm not going to say it's simple, but relatively simpler to have that conversation. Hmm. To say that, you know, hey, organization, uh, this person whom you have sent to, you know, my office, uh, there is a complaint against. And and we don't see that that sense of, uh, you know, shutting down and saying, uh, nope, not my problem. You know, we, we, we have not seen that yet, which is uh, really good news. Um, we've seen 
a, a different kind of contractor and and I'm staying again within the IT ITs industry so we're seeing like for example transport contractors right mm-hmm. because a lot of organizations do provide the pickup and drop but that tends to get subcontracted out yeah. right and um over there the conversation is slightly different because the transport vendor unfortunately and 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 this has been an experience that i've had the transport vendor tends to say oh if you have a complaint against driver x don't worry about it i'll replace driver x mm. without really getting into the you know the entire process of investigating the complaint and establishing the the you know okay. the the situation so i mean my uh, take here is that it is inefficient for an employer to deal with a complaint against anybody who is not their employee mm-hmm. the reason why it's inefficient is even if i find the person guilty i can't take any action for me to be able to take action against someone i need to have control over them and i only have control over my employees mm-hmm. right so for the benefit of the listeners just as an example the fact situation we are talking about is where you have in offices it is common to have housekeeping staff or uh, security staff who are not your direct employees they are engaged through an agency right and because they are not my employees they are the agency's employees even if i have a sexual harassment proceeding against them and i find them guilty i can't fire them only the agency can fire them yeah. right but i have an obligation as an employer to do the investigation if my employee is harassed on my premises and comes to me and complains of course i have to do the investigation mm. but it's inefficient and therefore what do we do in this situation right so in order to make this process efficient we have to a good practice since this is obviously not what the law says right because the law doesn't say anything um in this regard i'm not uh, <laughs> criticizing the act just as with a broad brush uh the in this regard a best practice would be for the employer and the agency providing the housekeeping staff or the security staff or the transport staff you're talking about to to in the contract set out very clearly that when the complaint is to do with your uh, personnel being the accused the matter will be dealt with by you assuming that the complainant who is my employee is comfortable with you handling the matter so that's a contractual arrangement that we can have hmm. or the contractual arrangement can be that i will do the investigation and i will come up with a recommendation but you are obligated to implement it huh. so at least there is some meaning for the investigation that i'm doing mm-hmm. right and i think that's a possible best practice to put in place because otherwise i can do an investigation as a formality but that has really no meaning unless you can see end results yeah so so from an ic's perspective right is there an obligation on the part of the ic to share this information with the complainant up front so, so, so uh something that that we've kind of you know encouraged our um uh clients uh, to to consider is a one-on-one conversation with a complainant when she comes forward with her written complaint mm. right um and and we say that you know in that uh, conversation Uh, remind her of what the act says like you uh, you know like 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 you and I have talked about um uh, talk about the importance of confidentiality talk mm-hmm. about the commitment that we the IC will make to her talk also about the process itself and say that look you know expect to experience this and then you know um uh, uh, all the other stuff and including the cross examination with the thing so when it's a contract employee or or it's an embedded service provider is there an obligation on the part of the ic to include that information that hey we will do the investigation and we will recommend action 
or that we will be passing your complaint on to the um, you know to the employer of the respondent and you the complainant will need to interact with the ic of that organization so okay couple of things here one you cannot force the complainant to do anything if the complainant has come to you it's your obligation to carry out the investigation so you can't say that you will now go to them you can ask them are you okay with you now having your complaint dealt with by g4 securitas or uh, you know tan whoever are the, these agencies who deal with housekeeping stuff and securities if they are okay with it sure but if they are not okay with it you still have to deal with it mm-hmm. two mm. you have multiple vendors right it's not one vendor that you're dealing with you have housekeeping stuff gardening stuff security stuff driver stuff etc and you probably have different contracts with each of them yes and your arrangements with each of them may be different you with one person you may say i will recommend you will implement with another person you may say we will have a joint committee mm. with another person you may say if it is your employee who is accused you will deal with it there can be multiple arrangements now you can but you can only have one policy for your employees right yeah. so you can uh, let employees know by and large that if your complaints are dealt are against an accused who is not our employee right uh, the manner in which the complaint is dealt with may be slightly different but don't worry without your consent we won't you know take mm-hmm. any action or force you to go elsewhere so there can be a broad policy but it can't be specific for these reasons so so can you, you know or would you recommend that we actually include that particular clause in the general overall posh policy to say that if a complaint yeah. is made against uh, this thing and, and again like you said in broad terms yeah, right i would Not, i would i would that yeah? i think that's uh-huh. the only one good place where it can mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. the place where it should be fleshed out in greater detail is in the contract that you have with the individual agencies the service providers so okay. i think that's the way in which to deal with it i here we should also talk about briefly so in this episode we've been talking about complaints against non employees by and large we said against the employer we spoke about against uh, contract workers we should also touch briefly upon uh, complaints against complete third parties right at least with a contract worker you know that there is an associated agency you're dealing with who is a friendly agency who may take up take your recommendation on you may help cooperate with you to deal with the situation but imagine a situation where a salesman comes into your office from a completely unrelated third party organization harasses your employee and leaves right your employee has been harassed in her own workplace she will naturally come to you to deal with this complaint but you have no authority over the random salesman who's entered your office harassed somebody and left so how do you deal with this right that's a common question yes. that will come up as well i mean the law has an answer for it the law says that you must raise the complaint in the workplace of the respondent which makes sense so that it is that person's employer who can punish the mm-hmm. respondent right but uh, you again can't force your complainant to go there so you you have to hope for it to work out and everybody be on the same page have you seen cases uh, yeah. like this again you know my answer is going to be unfortunately yes <laughs> <laughs> um and and exactly to your point i mean this this is very much a case by case resolution mm. right i mean there are some instances where um happily things have worked out mm. in the sense of there has been a willingness to investigate whatever the the final recommendation and stuff but there have also been cases where um organizations have um they've grappled with this mm-hmm. uh, it it is an open uh, question but but something that we are seeing and and to your point that organizations are learning from this so so when something like this happens and they realize that okay we don't have a ready made answer then uh we know that they're looking to say okay how can we incorporate this learning yeah. into our um, employee or uh, hr or uh, posh policy 
as the case may be, right? So, so I'm going to actually uh, loop back to where we started, which is, um, you know, what happens when the complaint is against the employer and, uh, you know, the, the woman has to go to the, to the LCC. So in a case like this where, uh, you know, the, the respondent is not a full-time employee, does the, the premise of the law which says that if, a, if the complainant asks for support from the organization saying, hey, I don't believe in any of this, I want to go to the uh, to the police station and I want to raise an FIR, does the employer of the um, uh, uh, complainant, mm -hmm. does the employer have... Uh, or, or are they obliged to support this woman in her uh, choice? So the law doesn't require the employer to support the woman in filing a complaint before the local committee, hmm. right? That's a right that she has. Uh, but the law still does require an employer to support her in filing a complaint to the police if she so wishes. Mm -hmm. So the answer to the f to one part of the question is not really in that, not that you don't support her, but there is no active obligation to support her. Sure. Uh, but on the other hand, if it's to the police, there is an active obligation to support her. So that's uh, broadly the difference between the two. All right. Okay. So as always, Bishan, it's been exciting and interesting chatting with you. Absolutely. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, doing a little bit of a deep dive into possibly another topic, which would be, but I didn't mean it. Mm. Right. Why are you being so sensitive? So this whole concept around um, was the intent of the person uh, really something or, or is the intent of the person uh, something that the IC needs to take into consideration? Uh, does the IC mandatorily have to support the complainant when she says, I felt uncomfortable. I do not really care what his uh, intent or what his uh, approach was. So. Until next time, Bishan, and thank you as always to all of our viewers and uh, audience. I hope that you've, uh, uh, you know, um, I'm not going to say enjoyed the show, but I hope that you found it useful and you found it interesting and you're going to keep coming back to us for more. So like, subscribe and hit us up with your comments and questions. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. -bye, everybody.